To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Hidden Gateway podcast. I'm your host, Justin Williams, and today's guest is Soraya Ascaf. Hey there. Hey, Soraya. Now, Soraya has been a uh, been on the radio for over 25 years and is the host of two shows, Where Did the Road Go? and The Last Exit for the Lost. Yep. Uh, he's also been studying the unknown for 25 years and has had a lifetime of strange experiences. Soraya, my friend, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Thanks for inviting me. Oh man, glad to have you. Thanks for thanks for agreeing to come on, man. So, hey, if you could, Soraya, if you just take a few minutes to tell us about you, man. Who who is Soraya? By the way, man, I like your name. That's a really cool name. It's like two parts, right? Soraya, that's like really smooth, and then Ascaf, that's like strong, man. I like I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like masculine, feminine mixed together. Like it's very cool, very cool name, man. Very cool name. Well, it was given to me. That that was the thing. Like I didn't understand what the name was. It's it's they're kind of like both separate names that I use together. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, the Soraya name literally was said into my head very very loudly uh, shortly after I had a massive Kundalini awakening. Oh, and I knew it was supposed to be my name, and I'm going. I'm not using that as my name. That's ridiculous. And then eventually I was like, well, what if I, what if I write under that name? And then like people started responding to it immediately. And I was like, maybe I should use the name, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But like on, on the, in the Kabbalah, they literally balance out on the tree of life, one on the, the right and one on the left. So it's kind of a unity of opposites sort of thing. All about that balance, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So, uh, you know, we talked before we came on, and I know you're in New York. Um, did you grow up in New York? Is that where you're initially from, or did you find yeah. it there at some point in life? I, I grew up on Long Island, uh, about in Suffolk County, about the middle of the, the island, um, and moved up here in 1985. I have no idea how old I was, 13, 14, something like that. So my grandparents lived up here. My dad wanted to move up here. So they he got a transfer at work because he worked for like 9X or AT&T. I can't remember which. He changed at some point. Uh, and we moved up here. Okay. And I'm cool. I'm very happy here. Yeah, good for you, man. It doesn't, uh, 
doesn't yeah. snow too much up there. Does I know obviously guys get snow. Does it get get pretty hectic or what? Not usually. Everyone. So there, a few years ago, like it literally snowed every day in February. Wow. Like, <laughs> like this year we've gotten one, one uh, snowstorm, that big nor'easter that came through a couple of like last week or whatever. Right. Right. That's, that's the only significant snowfall we had, but that one February was ridiculous because it, it, it wasn't snowing a lot, but it just kept snowing. And then they'd, they'd plow the roads, but then the wind would blow the snow over the roads. And there were literally roads where as you were going down them, the snow on both sides would just start, you know, narrowing the road mm-hmm. where you're going. Am I going to end at a point where there's no more road? You know, like what's happening here? <laughs> oh man. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Okay. That's, that's rare. Okay. Okay. So what was like, uh, what was life like growing up, man? How did you, I'm, I'm interested to know at what point did you get into the, uh, to the paranormal, man? Did, did your childhood have an effect on that or oh yeah, how did that happen? You know, I I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood. I have bits and pieces here and there. Um, but I was always interested in the unexplained. My parents were, you know, would buy me, you know, real basic books on like the Bermuda Triangle and stuff like that. And I think part of it came from things like uh, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, I watched that and I was like, oh, man, I want to be an archaeologist and, and find lost cities. And then it was explained to me, no, that's that's not how that works. And I went, oh. Well, I don't want to be an archaeologist, you know, or I wanted to be an astronomer so I could look for UFOs and found out that's not what they do. And I was like, well, I'm still interested in that, but that's not what I want to be then, you know? All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So I, I mean, literally all my life, I've had an interest in this stuff. I probably started seriously studying it in my late teens. Late teens, huh? Okay. Now, you've, you've said two things so far that really stuck out to me. The first one, was you changed your name after you had a Kundalini wake, awakening. Yeah. And the second was you only remember bits and pieces of your childhood. Right. If we could start there, I want to know about that, and then we can get into the uh, your awakening. I don't really know. It seemed to happen after the the awakening. It, it's almost like it's Swiss cheese to my memory. Mm. So, like, I have, I have certain memories that are very strong. But, like, I, I, and recently I've been trying to kind of, like, can I recover those memories? Like if I focus on it, what comes back to me? And every once in a while, something will click and I'll be like, oh yeah, that happened, you know, or, oh, this happened or someone will remind me of something. But like, and of course the older I get, the more I realize how bad our memories are to begin with. <laughs> right. True. <laughs> I've experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been keeping notes since uh, 1990. So anything before 1990 is kind of questionable to me. Like I know certain things happened. I remember a bunch of stuff, but the farther back I go, the uh, like literally I have a handful of memories from when I was a kid. I had a good upbringing. My parents were fine. They, you know, there was, they were not abusive in the slightest. They were very supportive parents. Um, I just don't have, you know, like I could tell you vague things, but I can't give you a whole lot of very specific memories. And and you said this this happened soon after your awakening, correct? I think I noticed it short, short, shortly after that. Yeah. Okay. So so walk me through that. What what happened with the awakening? Is it something that uh, you 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 worked on? It did. No. Were you were you looking for that, or did it just like organically happen? So for anyone who doesn't know what Kundalini is, it's uh it's just a, I mean Kundalini is just a, a name for something that's named in various different practices, but it's the one that I found. Um. 
I started having all kinds of what's called a morbid Kundalini awakening back when around the time I hit puberty, probably 11, 12, 13 years old. So I would get uh, hallucinations, which I knew were, were hallucinations. I was, I had played trombone at one point and I would see s- like steam or smoke coming out of the end of the trombone while I was playing it. And I knew it wasn't there, but at the same time I was looking right at it and I thought I was losing my mind. I would, I would call my mother and I'd be like, watch the end of the trombone and then it wouldn't do it. And she'd leave the room and I'd start seeing it again. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> or I'd be hearing things like rattling bells, things like that, especially when I was trying to sleep. And, you know, I, I, you know, yell for my mom to come in. I'm like, this, this rattling noise just keeps keeping me awake. You know, what, what is it? And she wouldn't hear anything. And I'd be like, great. You know, uh, and then it started making me sick. So for a long time, I didn't know what was happening to me. I went to tons of physical doctors. I went to psychiatrists. And I realized that this stuff wasn't normal, but it was there. You know, I wasn't going to lie and and pretend it wasn't there. And the pain sometimes was excruciating. So when I had the awakening, I didn't even know that was Kundalini at that point. Um, It felt like I, it felt literally like I died. Like all of a sudden, one night I was like, I just got this weird feeling and it it felt like I died. I was like, what is happening right now? It scared the crap out of me. And as soon as it happened, I suddenly started understanding a bunch of stuff that had happened to me previously. Like, like all these pieces suddenly fell together and I just started writing and I wrote down all this different stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, how did I not see all this stuff before? But it was still years before I came across a book on Kundalini and went, holy crap, this, this is what I've been experiencing this whole time. And the thing is I didn't like the whole new age energy work type stuff was not something I was into. I didn't believe in chakras. I didn't believe in any of that stuff. And I'm reading the Kundalini stuff going, okay, so maybe there are chakras, huh? Look at that. You know? Okay. So you, you talked about pain. I want to know what, what type of pain did you experience? And then you also said that you had this awareness of things that, happened to you in the past, right? Then you start writing about that. What what type of things were you writing about? And, and let's let me let me know about that pain, man. So so pain wise, generally what it would feel like is someone was taking a burning knife and shoving it into my spine and twisting it. Ouch. Um it's aside from having an abscessed tooth once, that is the most excruciating pain I've ever had. The abscessed tooth was worse. Um but it it and usually it would be around my stomach area or my tailbone, which are both chakra points. I had no idea at the time, but yeah, that's what it would feel like. It would be red hot and just like the most unpleasant pain because it it didn't, it throbbed, you know, like someone was twisting it. And eventually it would just calm down and stop on its own. There was nothing I could do to stop it uh, because I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know what it was. Uh, what was the other part you asked about? Oh, the, the stuff. I, mostly, what I figured out is that some of the stuff that was that I was having issues were, it was like me not facing myself. Mm-hmm. So, like one of the recurring dreams I always had was a black mass, uh, this this like black void chasing me, and at some point I realized that that was me. That I like this during this awakening, I was just like, this, this, this is me that I'm afraid of what I am. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not acknowledging that. I don't even know what it is. It's just, 
it's not what I think I'm supposed to be. Mm. You know, as opposed, you know, here, here is like what my parents told me I was supposed to be versus what I actually am. And those two things were not, were not the same. And I was fighting myself with that. Wow. That's deep, man. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing I took away from it. There were a lot of little things that I don't remember now. That was the one that stuck out in my head is that I realized that so much of this stuff was just me fighting myself. And I'm also type one diabetic. And around the same time that the Kundalini stuff started or shortly before I became, uh, uh, type one, like, I think I was 12, um, which is, you know, later than most people. Cause it's, uh, the, it's where your pancreas basically fights itself and destroys the cells that create insulin. Right. Yeah. So I always, now I look back at that and go, was this because I was fighting myself? Like, is that what that was? Like my body manifesting that in some way? Wow. Very interesting. Now, did you discover any gifts that you've been blessed with? Or <laughs> I know things. You know things. Okay. They, things just pop into my head. Um, I feel, you know, like it feels like communication, but it's not usually with anything. It's just like suddenly there'll be a thought in my head and I'll be like, oh, is that a thing? And then it'll happen. And I'll be like, okay. So, and I, I compare it kind of to like, I hate using the word psychic. <laughs> I avoid it all at all costs using the word psychic because it has so much baggage to it. I can yeah, it to being in like the passenger seat of a car. And as you're driving down the road, you see a sign that says, you know, oh, Wendy's two miles ahead. And you've never been on the road before. And you turn to the driver and you go, hey, there's a Wendy's two miles ahead. And they're like, how would you know that? <laughs> it's like, like oh, but there was a sign. And then two miles later, there's a Wendy's. And they're like, how did you know? And it's like, I read the sign. I'm sorry. You know. Oh man. <laughs> it's kind of what it feels like. Like I picked something up or something was told to me and I just relay it to someone and they're like, that's not real. And then they're like, the best example I have, um, one of my co-hosts for the last days of the lost, uh, he was a post-grad at Cornell and he was supposed to, <laughs> and the thing is he was, he was a math student. He was like one of these people who did not believe in any of this weird stuff. And there had been one experience with, with him before. Uh, there was a girl I was friends with who I could literally pick up what she was thinking. So if she had a question for me, the question would pop into my head. And it's the only person that's ever happened with. I don't know why it was her. Uh, we, I mean, we were pretty close friends, but that was it. But she would go to ask me something, and I would answer her before she asked. That's cool. I did this <laughs> in front of him one day, and uh, she... And she just kind of, you know, goes, yep. And he's like, oh, how, or said, said something like, how did you know what she was going to ask? And, and I don't know, it came, like I said, something like I'm psychic. And she goes, he does it to me all the time. And he's like, and he starts thinking about it and realized that the question had nothing to do with anything going on. And I shouldn't have been able to guess it. You know what I mean? Like he was, it was kind of like, wait, how did you know what she was going to ask? I'm like, I don't know. It pops into my head. I don't even realize she didn't ask it yet, but um, oh, wow. he was working on some project that they were going to send him to Wisconsin or somewhere out in that direct uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin, somewhere up that way. Um, and he comes in and tells me, he's like, yeah, in a month I'm going to be gone. This sucks. You know, I really don't want to leave. And he tells me all this. And I just knew absolutely for certain he wasn't leaving. And I looked at him and I went, you're not going anywhere. And he goes, yeah, I am. It's in my contract. I can't get out of it. 
And so every week he'd come in and he'd tell me, you know, look, I only got this many weeks left. And I'm like, you're not going anywhere. And he was actually getting angry with me because he really didn't want to go anywhere. And the very last week he was supposed to be there. I mean, like they had the whole thing set up. I mean, they, he, the week before he was telling me, there's no way this isn't happening. He comes into the studio and he just yells at me. How did you know? Hmm. And I turned around and looked at him. I'm like, no, what? He's like, I'm not leaving. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Told you that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he was pissed. Huh? I mean, he had to be happy that he wasn't leaving. He was happy he wasn't leaving, but I think it broke him a little bit because, you know, this was not something that happens in his world. Right, right, right. Oh, man. So, Soraya, where do these downloads or these, I should say, these messages come from? I have no idea. Like I said, that's why I compared them to seeing a billboard at the side of the road. Okay. I mean, sometimes, like, the name Soraya was spoken into my head very loudly. Um, But usually when stuff like that happens, it's stupid little things. Like, uh, one of the ones, as I've been working on a book about these experiences, one of the ones I remember that's just like a stupid little thing is I was laying in bed asleep i would go to sleep with music playing the tape i was listening to had ended but i hadn't stopped yet and this voice woke me up going turn the tape over and so it startled me awake and i'm like what turn the tape over and then the tape stopped and i went okay i'll turn the tape over you know (laughs) so no idea where they come from i know you had had Huh? Maybe thought, have you considered where those messages have come from at all? Or I, th- I, th- I think the problem is because I don't know, I don't want to put labels on stuff. Okay. Because I think it limits our ability to understand what's happening. Like I just kind of go with it and see where it takes me. And it usually takes me to good places. So it's kind of like, even though I, I, I've had so many times where I've, I've sort of lost faith in this stuff. And then something will be, you know, pop into my head and I'll be like, that's, ridiculous and then it'll happen and i'll be like all right fine (laughs) almost like don't lose faith this is this is this is how things are supposed to go type of a thing right okay okay so you know i know you're the host of uh where did the road go Mm -hmm. show how long have you been hosting that show just over eight years just over eight years. Okay. Okay. Who would you say has been your most intriguing guest on there? Like which, which guest really stands out over that time period? Oh man. That's a, most of my guests have been great. Um, okay. okay. Probably. I mean, Patrick Harper has to be one of my favorites. Tell me about Patrick. Uh, Patrick has a book out called demonic reality that really tends to explain all the stuff we're experiencing in the paranormal doesn't mean he's right, but he kind of takes some, some old ideas and, and reworks them to, to understand the paranormal and sort of the imaginal realm. So it's not like it's connected to our imagination, but it's also real, which does kind of define how a lot of the paranormal is. It seems to be, you know, face, it seems to present itself in ways that we understand it, but have its own reality as well. Mm-hmm. Attach the imagination to the paranormal. Is that what you said? Yeah. He, he po- postulates the idea of an imaginal realm, like a realm between imagination and reality. And that's where this stuff manifests. Interesting. Interesting. 
Okay. And uh, can you share with us anything specific that he that he said that really stood out? No, because it's been years since I've read his book. A long time ago. That was a long time ago. I, mean, I, I read his book years before I had him on. And then I reread as much. I uh, read reread a bunch of it before I had him on, and he wrote the book in ninety two. Okay, so like okay. I'm I'm quoting stuff from the book, and he'll pause and go, "I wrote that," and it's like, "Yeah," he's like, <laughs> "That's pretty good." Yeah. Wow, man. So, so we you mentioned realities, man. What are your thoughts on the Mandela effect? I know you've probably had a million uh, conversations about that. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm interested to know. This is something I've gotten into. Uh, probably over the last three to four years or so. And uh, I'm one of those guys who um, I, I definitely remember vividly sitting in front of the TV as a kid, watching the news and seeing the newscasters say that Nelson Mandela died in prison. Right. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I have a vivid vision of that. I, I see it now. But then I also remember when he was uh, allegedly released from prison. So I remember he did this like world tour and I remember him coming to the Detroit area, man. He went to, uh, he was at the old Tiger Stadium. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, what are your thoughts on the Mandela effect? Well, um, I've definitely had a few of those where I was absolutely certain like someone died. Like I remember vividly that they died and it turns out they didn't. But I also, I mean, I'm, I've studied a lot on how memory works. Uh, in particular, I, I totally recommend a book called The Invisible Gorilla because it talks about uh, how we perceive reality uh, and like sort of the illusion of what we think we actually perceive versus what we do. But memory is a very faulty process. And how did they put it? Vivid memories are no less likely to be real or accurate than vague memories hmm. but we think they're they're accurate because they're so vivid now that doesn't mean there isn't something else going on um but that also has to be held in you know in consideration that memory is a very tricky thing so it's also possible that things shift and that we're living in a form of a simulation <laughs> uh there may be multiple realities i don't think any of this stuff is out of the out of the question uh, right but i i know people who will list a hundred different mandela effect things and i'm thinking well some of that might just be faulty memory i don't know um but i think that has to be the number one explanation but probably not explaining a hundred percent of it type of thing mm, i see i see what type of uh experiences have you had in regards to the Mandela effect? You know, there was one recently and I cannot remember right now what it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Literally just in the last few weeks, I'm like, wait, no, I remember this happening. And then I'm like, huh, that's not accurate. That's uh, and for the life of me. I can't tell you what it was. Oh man. <laughs> Goodness. What I don't know how that your is. thoughts on it. What do you think's happening? You know, I, I definitely believe in it. I, I really do. Um, and it's just been so many things uh, that I've noticed, especially from my childhood till now. Obviously, you know, the obvious ones are like Bernstein Bears, right? I was a huge, I was really into the Bernstein Bears, man, you know, as a kid. And I right. remember going to uh, Cedar Point, which is an amusement park in Sandusky, Ohio, and they had this Bernstein Bears uh, 
roller coaster or play area, whatever it was. And now I'm seeing that it's allegedly was never burn scene. It's burn stain. Right. I mean, just so many things, but you know, you, you gave me something to think about when you said, and that when you initially said that uh, vivid memories are no more than uh, the, the opposite, right. Uh, memories that, that are not vivid, you know, no more valid, if you will. So yeah, it's, it's just a, um, Something else, something else, I, I tell you, it really is. Well, the, the experiment they did in the book uh, revolved around 9-11. They wrote the book uh, in the late, maybe 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. And they had video of these, uh, of they're, 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 they're psychologists, they work for a university, and they had video in some of the labs when 9-11 was happening. So they had the videotapes of exactly what happened. And they took a bunch of these people who were there and they said, okay, what happened when you heard about 9-11? Like, where were you? What was what was going on? Tell us as many details as you can. And they found that, and, and how high you would rate your recollection, like how accurate do you think you are? And everyone, you know, had this really vivid memory of what happened on 9-11 because it was 9-11. Everyone remembers where they were and what they were doing. And uh, every single one of them was wrong by at least a bit. Really? Yeah. No one remembered it exactly how it happened. Some were completely wrong. Like the stuff they were talking about never even happened and others were close, but it still wasn't actually accurate. Mm. So you figure a 10 year gap and even a vivid memory like that has now distorted. Right. Right. Goodness. That, that's something, man. The, yeah. That memory. The, the other thing is I don't think time only flows in one direction. So I think we can affect things that happen in the past from the present. I think there is uh, sort of a, a it, it presents it to itself to us one way, but I don't think it's a, a single lane road. So we may be changing bits of our past as well. Now that's interesting. That's very interesting because I've been doing some research over the last eight or nine months and I'm starting to believe that there is no such thing as time, right? right? That the past, present, and future are simultaneously happening at the same time. So if that's true, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. What you just said. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when people have near-death experiences and stuff like that, they talk about being outside of time. You know, they're experiencing everything at once, although they can't quite compare that to anything here, which, I mean, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because here we, we process everything in a very linear way. Um, one, one of the things I like, uh, I really like, uh, I'm not a big fan of channeling, but I am a fan of Jane Roberts' Seth material because there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there, even if it's not legitimately channeled, like if it was her picking this up from another part of her own consciousness or whatever. Mm -hmm. At one point, though, he says, uh, time passes at the rate that your brain can process it. So, like, when there's a lot of stuff going on, time seems to move quickly. When there's not much going on and your brain's, you know, not processing a lot, time seems to move slowly. And I thought, well, that makes perfect sense, now doesn't it? <laughs> now, if you think of it like your brain's just the processor in a computer, you know, the computer slows down when there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, the computer itself. But the, the, the uh, you know, so when you're, when you're perceiving a lot of stuff the time you're experiencing just flies right by. 
That's interesting. I, n- I never heard that one before, but that's definitely uh, food for thought right there, man. Because, definitely. I mean, hypothetically, we're experiencing everything at the same time, but we're choosing to see it in a, in a, in an order that makes sense to us. Now I, I heard someone say one time that you can literally change your reality or I should say realities change throughout the day. And then I also heard someone say that based off the decisions you make, your reality can change. So for example, if you are sitting on your couch watching TV and then you think, man, I have to go upstairs to uh, make a phone call, right? And uh, you decide to get up off that couch and go upstairs, you're going forward with that reality of actually going to make that phone call. However, a part of you that decided to stay on the couch, that reality plays out as well. Right, right. The mo- Have you ever heard anything like that? Huh? Have you ever heard of anything like yeah, that? Yeah, it's sort of the multiple world idea that, that new realities are created every time you make a decision. Mm-hmm. Which is actually something that the the Seth material gets into that there's an infinite number of realities out there, right? So essentially, there are two different realities. Say for that person that made the decision to go upstairs, there's a reality playing out that that person is going upstairs and make that call, and another reality playing out somewhere else of that person deciding to stay on the couch and make that call later. Right, right, absolutely. Well, you know, and also uh, since we're talking about things like like multiple universes and time travel, there's a uh, Dr. Bem did a research. I think this, I think it was Bem in, in Cornell did research on testing people. And so what they did is they, they gave people tests, some of them. Okay. So I'm trying to lay out this so it makes sense. So they would give the, the students these tests. Then none of the students would study for the test, but some of them, like 50% of them would go study after they took the test, but before they got the, the, the grade on the test, then they were all given the answers. The ones who studied after they took the test, but before they got the grade scored higher statistically than the people who did not study after they took the test. What? Yes. And this is, this is peer reviewed research you know, coming out of, out of Cornell. Goodness. So like, what does that say? Like, is it that this information is traveling backwards? I mean, it's, it's because they're not doing it consciously. Right. Oh man. That just opens up for so many questions. (laughs) Exactly. It's a lot of questions that, that other, uh, other people in the, in the, in the psychology fields and stuff do, do not want to try and answer. It's funny. Like his research has actually gotten some psychologists to go, well, maybe we're looking at all this stuff wrong. Cause we know his conclusions can't be right. So maybe, maybe statistics don't work like we think they do. Mm, and that changes the game you com- know? completely. Right. Well, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like moving the goalposts though. You know, it's like, Oh, here's, this thing that we don't believe in let's change where wh- what we require is proof that wow, never heard that one before that's something else right there. yeah it's, it's a really fascinating study because it should that that shouldn't work you know it should not i mean <laughs> what he got famous for uh because the media picked up on it as porn proves psychic abilities uh was that they would they would attach uh 
is it MRIs? Whatever the electrodes are that, that register brain activity to students. And they'd, and they'd have a computer randomly generate images. And anytime a violent or sexual image would show up, you would see a, high, a spike in brain activity in certain regions. So they know this happens. Like if you just show someone an image, you can see it, that, that spike. So these images are chosen completely randomly. Uh, everything's blind, a blind study. And the brain reactions would happen like a split second before the images were chosen or two seconds before the images were even chosen. They would see the spike in brain activity. Hmm. which means their brains were reacting to an image that hadn't even randomly been chosen yet. Yes. Yes. I saw something similar. I don't know if that was the same study, but I saw something similar to that recently uh, within the last uh, 90 days or so. Yeah. And I mean, it's been peer reviewed and, and replicated. Um, I mean, he got on the Colbert rapport with that one. So <laughs> Because, okay. because it was such a, a, a thing for the media to run with because they were saying, oh, you know, people see, you know, pornographic images before they're shown to them. <laughs> oh, man. All the other stuff, you know, t talking about students being able to do better if they study afterwards. And the key is they couldn't know the results of their test, which implies kind of a multi-world idea, you know, like or the, the Schrodinger's cat idea that once you've looked it, it it chooses a state. So if you don't know what you did on the test and then you study, you might do slightly better on the test. Right. Oof. Goodness. Speaking of college students, are you familiar with the story of Elisa Lamb? Yes. Yeah. So I guess uh, February 2nd, which is what last week, a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was, it was the uh, several years since she went disappearing. I would love to, to uh, have your thoughts on that. And for those who don't know, Lisa Lamb, she was a 21-year-old college student. She checked into the uh, Cecil Hotel. Yeah, it looks like it was on uh, January 28th, 2013. And she checked in to stay for three nights. Now, on uh, February 19th, her body was found on the hotel rooftop in a water tank. But they turned around and said she died on February 2nd. And I, I learned that hotel has a dark history as well. And I, I saw that Netflix are releasing a movie or some type of documentary as well. What, what are your thoughts on that, man? I mean, uh, I guess you have one crowd that says it's a paranormal type event, but then you obviously have some people that say that, uh, you know, she was bipolar, maybe, you know, some, some mental issues going on there. So, so what do you think about Oh that? man, I got to remember all this stuff. Now it's been a while since I've talked about Elisa lamb. Um, so yes, she was bipolar. And I believe she was off her medication, but that doesn't ex necessarily explain her behavior. Uh, one of the weird things about the, the elevator footage, which was by yes. the LA police, is that it is actually sped up. And uh, they took the time codes and everything off. But uh, so the, part of the reason it looks weird is because they manipulated it. Now, why, why they would do that, no one really knows. I think there's also pieces missing. So and that came right from from the police department. So why would the police department alter a a video file before releasing it to the public, especially one that makes it look weirder than it actually is? Um the let's see. There was another aspect of that. Oh, so the first room she was staying in apparently she was behaving very 
uh, abrasively or she was being very loud or something, and they had her transferred to a different room. Uh, so there was something definitely going on, whether it was a psychological issue or not. I think when I had John Lorden on, he was look at this was a few years ago. He was looking into a, some people had stopped at the hotel and delivered something to her, uh, which probably hmm. the last people she had contact with. But I, at the time, no one knew exactly what was going on there, who the people were, or what she got from them. But she got some kind of package from them. See, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know the the part about the police manipulating the the footage. Either. Yeah, well, no, I don't think most people know that. Um, so, and her getting into the water tank really wouldn't have been that hard. Like the the numerous people said, well, the ho the roof was locked, but apparently that wasn't true. The roof was almost never locked. Um, okay. And she easily could. I mean, it's a weird thing for her to do, certainly to get into a water tank. Uh, but if you got in, it's very possible you're not going to get back out. Right. And she was small enough to do that. And people were saying, well, she, they, you know, they had a, they couldn't get her out, you know, of the, the hatch, but that's because her body bloated. Mm. So it, I don't, I don't have answers for what happened to the girl. I mean, it's tragic. Uh, when I watch that video, I feel so bad for her, but I don't like, I don't want to attach something paranormal to it without evidence of something paranormal. But at the same time, we don't have, I can't say, Oh, this is what happened. Cause I don't know what happened. It, it's possible. There was something paranormal going on. Maybe she picked up bad vibes in the hotel even, but it's also possible. There was something more sinister going on, or she just, you know, had a mental breakdown. Right. Right. Just not enough there to really, go go far deeply yeah i mean there's a lot of it's a weird case there's a lot of really weird stuff associated with that case but it's like you know you're just connecting dots and you don't know if those connections are right now how about this i have one for you i recently learned that there are literally hundreds of people that go missing in national parks. yes that's the missing 411 stuff yeah yeah, have you interviewed anyone about that? What what are your thoughts on that? In fact, I I spoke to uh Joshua Cutchin recently and we kind of got into the to the Bigfoot uh phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do, do you do you think that <laughs> Bigfoot is snatching people or do you think what do you think that is people just getting lost and I think there's a combination of things going on. Joshua is a good friend of mine actually. He's uh Probably the closest one of the few. He's one of my co-hosts, uh, co unofficial co-hosts on Where the Road Go. Um, so, yeah, I've had David Politis on a bunch of times. I started out. So the first time I heard about this was on Coast to Coast. And George Knapp was like, oh, you know, this guy's going to come on and talk about people missing in national parks. And I'm like, well, of course, people go missing in national parks. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, they're national parks, they're wilderness areas. Of course, people are missing. And then it happens, right? As I listened to David, I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. This is weird. And so I had contacted him and he sent me his books and I read through the books. And my initial opinion was there's some really weird cases in here, but there's also a lot of not weird cases. Like some of them just didn't have enough information. Some of them, uh, I think he was just wrong about his assumptions on some of it. I think he was given bad information. Uh, at one point, I know early on he was saying like uh, search dogs are a hundred percent accurate. They, they always find people. And, and in these cases, they're not finding them. And 
I talk to people who train these dogs and they go, that's not true. They're like, they actually aren't that effective. I mean, if they catch a scent, they can be fairly effective, but there's so many factors. You know, weather can be a factor. How good the dog was trained can be a factor. So saying dogs are always accurate is, is a ridiculous statement to make. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I agree. And uh, he also was wrong about a lot of the stuff he was saying about hypothermia, saying, well, these people couldn't have died of hypothermia. It never got below freezing. But that it doesn't take that. It takes uh, it you doesn't have to get that cold at all, especially especially if you're wet to experience hypothermia. So some some of the cases are probably, you know, unfortunate circumstances that have prosaic explanations, but some of them are really freaking weird. And it's those weird, like, I wish he would kind of just focus on the weird ones. Get the, you know, I, I realized his idea was he was trying to make a pattern, but I'm not sure the pattern counts if you're, you're taking weird cases and not weird cases and putting them in the same bowl, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are definitely certain areas that already have these legends of people disappearing. And then you have a handful of really strange stories of people disappearing. So I think there is something very strange going on. I don't think it's Bigfoot per se. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, honestly. Uh, maybe they're, they're shifting realities walking through mm-hmm. a portal somewhere. Um Maybe something is taking them. I don't know. But the problem is we don't have enough information. You know, we're usually left with, oh, this person disappeared. And then what was found was under weird circumstances. And we don't know what happened in between. So a lot of times we jump to paranormal explanations. And it may be because we don't know. I mean, I can't can't answer it. I think some of them, though, and some of them have been solved that he put in his books. uh, And they were prosaic explanations, you know. But there's somewhere people just disappear and you're like, huh, well, that's, that's a weird case. Okay, there's nowhere for that person to have gone. Where did they go? I mean, there was one where they're walking through a canyon looking for this guy and they hear him calling out for help, but no one can tell where it's coming from and they never found him. That is crazy. And it's like, okay, I mean, I guess he could have slipped out a fissure somewhere, you know, and that's what they were hearing. But they were scouring the area. They should have found that if it existed. And the guy, they could hear him screaming. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, there's some weird ones. It was, I remember there was one where, uh, Oh, was it a kid? Yeah. It was a kid who I think was found himself in a case. It sounded like an alien abduction type of experience where he found himself in a cave with a robot that resembled his grandmother and, and all this other weird stuff that, I mean, sure, the kid may have been making it up, but I, I tend to assume people aren't making things up unless I get a lot of red flags. And this case was just weird, you know? It was like, okay, that one doesn't seem like the type of thing someone would have made up, especially a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of aliens, do you believe in aliens? I believe there's extraterrestrial life probably in our own solar system. I don't necessarily think they're here. Yeah. Really? You don't think they made made contact here? Well, yet? okay. So let let let's say there's life uh, in Jupiter. Okay. You know, it may not be life that we can recognize because we're very carbon centric. You know, we're expecting things to be more or less like life on Earth. So we wouldn't necessarily even know it's there. It could be intelligent. It could be trying to talk to us, but we, you know, we're so far away in the way we exist in reality, that there's no common ground. 
Um, as far as UFOs go, I think that's an entirely different phenomena. Um, I have no doubt that it is a very real phenomenon. Uh, I just don't think it's extraterrestrial. I don't think ex extraterrestrial is the best explanation. What are your, th what are your thoughts? Maybe military aircraft or, well, or there's, something? there's definitely, especially in modern day, there's, there's definitely technical, technological stuff. It's real hard to separate out technology from weirdness. In fact, there was just a story that came out, I think Dubai where they saw two planets in the sky. Did you see this? I did. Yeah. That. There were these two planets, a whole bunch of people, you know, photographed it and they're like, what is this? This is weird, you know? And it turns out it was uh, part of the government's, they, they projected this stuff into the sky and uh, it was to celebrate them getting in, you know, getting into the uh, space race or something like that. But it, but so it showed projected that to the sky. Yeah. They projected planets onto the sky that people saw all over the place. And I believe there's there's a uh, uh, everyone keeps t telling me about Project Blue Beam, and I think that's kind of what that is. It's a hologram program that the military has had that they can project things into the sky. Yes, I've heard about Project Blue Beam. Absolutely. But here you see a very real world version of that, even though it's not necessarily Project Blue Beam. But it was, you know, they literally projected these two planets. People took pictures of them. They look real. Uh, and they were a projection. So with our technology today, it's very, very hard to sort what's truly anomalous and what's technology, like our technology. Because we also don't know what some of these corporations have, what some of these, uh, you know, these deep secret areas of the government have, what other governments have. So I think alongside that, there's still a very real phenomena. It's just hard to sort sometimes you know yeah yeah speaking of, of governments what are your thoughts on the current state of affairs throughout the world obviously with the covid vaccine and all the the chaos going on and uh, trying to impeach trump it's just so much going on yeah and what's what are your thoughts on all this this chaos it's a mess <laughs> yeah, yeah i think that uh I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm sort of apolitical. I, uh, I think neither side really has our best interests at heart. Couldn't I think more. there are exceptions. There are some very good people on both sides who actually care. Uh, I don't have to agree with them, like in, in the methodologies, they think, but I'll respect the fact that they seem to actually care. Um, and I would rather have those people elected than the people who just seem to be serving their their the people giving the money, you know, the corporations, their, their, uh, oh, what are they called? People who, uh, represent stuff and will come in and, uh, talk to the different Congress people and senators and stuff. I can't yeah. remember what, what they're called, huh? Blanking on that. So, I mean, so much of it's just run by rich, the rich people in this country, the 1%. The 1%. Most of the government is pretty much bought by them. So, uh, you know, like it's, it's kind of a dismal state where I don't know how we're ever going to get this back together. Cause I think the rest of us need to get on the same page. I think most people want the same things. They may think well, we're going to get those things through different means, but I think we all have the same general goal. We want to be able to live our lives. We want to be able to, you know, most, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who said that they didn't think, uh, like, 
healthcare was was something that we should have, you know. And I'm sure there's right. people out there who are like, well, we don't care if everyone has healthcare. But most people, if you say, I think we should have some form of universal healthcare, are like, yeah, I, I agree. Everyone should be covered. I mean, we're we're a very rich country. We should not have homeless people. We should not have people in wanting food. We should not have people who need medicine and can't afford it. Right. I mean, we, we spend a surplus on money on things that do not benefit the people, that the people are paying on, in taxes. We pay, um, we give tax breaks to all these companies who, you know, are making ungodly amounts of money and not paying taxes. So, yeah, I think I think it's a mess. And I don't know, you know, people are just fighting between each other. You know, Democrats, Republicans, conservative, liberal, whatever you label yourself, you always think the other side's the enemy. But the reality is the people at the top are the enemy. There you go. Would it be fair to say those people at the top are, are considered the elite? Yeah, I would say so. Or what about the deep state government? Are, are, are you, I mean, I know you're familiar familiar with New World Order. Do you, do you believe that's a, a, a real thing? That there are a group of people in, in this world that are out to control the world and make a one world government? I don't think, I, I, think, I think they go with whatever benefits them at the moment. Hmm. You know, I don't think it's that organized. I think it's something that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get them turning on each other eventually. So I don't think a one world government really works, you know, because they all want the majority of the pie. They're not going to get it if they share it. Hmm. So whereas oh. they, some of their oh. goals may align here and there, I don't think there's a, uh, a huge conspiracy to create a one world government. Um, but as far as controlling people, yeah, the more control they have, the better for them. <laughs> but again, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we lack the, you know, like any of this stuff, we don't know for sure. I mean, we're, we're guessing based on the way people behave and the things we've seen. Okay. People, are, people, especially of, rich people, for some reason, are inherently selfish. It seems like the more you have, the more you want. I know, I know right? I, I read something recently about Bill Gates. He's the number one owner of farmland now in the United really? States. Really? I thought that was, yeah, yeah. This came out about uh, two to three weeks ago. So he owns more farmland in the United States than anyone else. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what to make of Bill Gates. There's so many conspiracy theories, you know, around Bill Gates where I'm like, I don't know. Some of it seems like people are just, just don't trust any of these rich people. I mean, sometimes it seems like he's been doing positive stuff, but it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Right. And right. we don't know what their actual motives are. You know, it, people can do the wrong thing with good motives. We're not in their heads, so we don't really know. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I tend to think that, to a certain extent, people are being played. I, I don't know if it's a uh, if it's a force that is manipulating both sides, wanting to cause confusion, or what. But uh, I, I definitely think that. Uh, to a certain extent, people are being played. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, how, how far, how deep that goes. I no. mean, hey, yeah, we, we, we could go, go down the rabbit hole with that one. But, uh, man, just uh, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on out here. It's That's also just a matter sometimes of what makes money. 
you know, so that, yeah, the media is manipulating and turning people against each other, but it's so they get better ratings, you know, so they can charge more for their advertising. It really just comes down to something that simple. I think in a lot of cases said mighty dollar yeah. bill, huh? Yeah. And, and, you know, when you get, when you're a billionaire, a trillionaire, money doesn't mean anything to you. Like, it, and I think that's a, a major disconnect we have with some of these people who are so rich that they've never had a go. How am I going to make, how am I going to pay my bills next month? You know, like they've never had to sit there and worry about money because they have more than they could ever use. So it, it's not, it doesn't hold the value to them that it holds to us. It's like, it's like collecting baseball cards to them. It's like, Ooh, look, more money, you know? <laughs> It's not a life and death proposition because they're never going to lose it all because they have so much of it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And then you have that disconnect where they simply don't understand what it's like. You know, I, a lot of people can't, you know, unless you've had an experience, it's hard to fully imagine what it's like to be in that position. Right. Right. That's true. You, That's you true. can, you can get a vague idea like, you know, uh, I can, I can understand uh, situations like women will get put in, but I'm not a woman. So I don't fully, I will never fully grasp what it's like to be a woman in our society. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though I can, I can, I can say, oh, well, yeah, I can imagine that's rough and I can, I can kind of put my brain through it. I'll never quite be in that position. Right, right. Just because right. you're not a woman. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Wow, man. Okay. okay. You know, we. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the monoliths, man. I think most of that's just a publicity stunt. I mean, the one that showed up in Turkey, the the government actually admitted to putting it up there. Yeah, maybe that was the that was the one where they were announcing something about their space program. Maybe that wasn't the planet thing. The planet thing was also was oh. was a hologram by the government. Maybe it wasn't about a space program. I'm trying to remember now. It was no, I guess they both were space program related. Turkey admitted to putting the uh, the uh, the monolith there to uh, to precede us for publicity about some announcement they were making about their space program. Dubai, I think, was doing it to celebrate some of the, you know, like sending uh, probes to Mars and stuff like that. Turkey, man, Turkey, man, that, the Turkey. I think that was that happened yes. a couple days ago. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh my god, man, that's crazy. Jeez, so, it's, it's it's artwork, <laughs> you know. It's, it's interesting, yeah. but I don't think there's anything really weird about it. I think it's just people being creative. Especially people being creative, wanting wanting some attention. Well, well, and especially in a time period where we need some weird stuff to happen, you know. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> all the nonsense oh, going on. Uh, uh, Soraya, I'm interested to know your thoughts on God. Do you believe in God? Depends how you define God. I mean, if define huh? God said define God. Well, that's, I would define God as everything that we know and everything we don't know is at, at, at that point. Um, I think we're probably a, a small speck in the full existence of things that is God or all that is or whatever you want to call it. I don't believe in like the religious sort of views of God, um, but I believe we're a part of whatever it is. Like we can never, we can't be here without being a part of whatever it is. 
So, so you're saying that God is, you believe that God is, yes. is everything, everything and, and within everything. Okay. Okay. But you don't believe in the re- religious. Right. Okay. That's interesting. That's kind of, I believe along the same lines as well. I, I grew up in a, <clears throat> a religious home. I was one of those kids that went to church uh, man, three, four times a week. But uh, as I've gotten older and experienced life and gone through through different things, I uh, my my thoughts definitely align with yours. Uh, God is I really believe God is everything within everything. Um, obviously, this universal creator, universal energy that uh, is based in pure love. Yes. You know, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Good stuff, man. But I, stuff. I think we're we're also I like the the idea that. Not only are we God trying to understand itself, but we're God trying to expand itself. Expand itself. Like, Tell me about that. Like what the idea that, that we are a part of God and God has created us to kind of like create yet newer things. You know, to 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 expand what God is. So if you took like a video game thing, it would be like making a video game and then inviting other users in with like unlimited capability to create things. By the time you're done, the game is way more than where it started because everyone has interacted with it and created new things. And when you when you look at like just just on a a small scale, like the plethora of different species of, you know, like how many different types of rabbits are there out there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. That that is man. You have some great analogies. That's food for thought, man. (laughs) <laughs> that is food for thought. Never, never heard anything like that before. I'm definitely gonna gonna go deep on that. That is that is something, man. Like, so you you have you have the good in in God, which which I, obviously I said is pure love, and obviously there's a another energy out there, right? That because you know I'm definitely a firm believer in there's balance. So then you know there has to be this this devil character, this negative energy, right? I, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think you're dealing, I think it's all one energy. It's how you interact with that energy. Like the balance, like the balance is completely within whatever God is. It's both sides. Uh, And it's, and I think the, the light and darkness, like the good and evil comes from us. I mean, it's how we interact with things. Hmm. I don't think there's anything pushing us toward evil or necessarily toward good other than ourselves. Okay. Wow, man. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm over here taking notes. <laughs> I have I'm a big proponent of, of like people being responsible for their own actions. So even if that's yeah. not the case, to kind of say, I, I feel like saying, oh, something else made me do it is, is even if that's true, well, then you should make sure something doesn't make you do it next time, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's right. <laughs> you know, peer pressure made me do it. Okay, well, next time, don't let that peer pressure get to you because you see what happened. All right, have some have some accountability. Right. <laughs> I mean, life yeah. is life is a learning experience. We all make mistakes. We all do stupid things. My, I was in, uh, I was in a store today getting a bottle of water, uh, like uh, the filtered water type of stuff that you fill up the bottles. And I had three of them and there was this guy standing there and he was standing on the opposite side of where the thing was. 
And I kind of waited and he was playing on his phone. I'm like, okay, he's not getting water. And so I went over and I started to put my water bottle there just as he grabbed a water bottle. Now I had earphones on and I looked at him. I said, do you just have the one? And I didn't, I thought he said no and gestured to his cart where he had two more bottles. And I went, oh, okay. And so then I filled mine up because if he had the one, I had three, I was going to let him go first. And so I filled my three up and I start to leave and I realize his other two are full. And I'm like, oh, he probably said yes. And I had my earphones in. Cool. Cool. I was a jerk. Totally didn't mean to be a jerk. Right. right, right. Myself for the next five (laughs) minutes going, sometimes I just take the headphones off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, Soraya, my friend, this has been fun, man. Before I let you go, I want to ask you if you could give maybe some words of, of advice to, to our listeners here, man. Like what, what, what would, what could you say to them? Just a nice, something nice to leave them with. Wow. Um, fear is an enemy. That's, that's, that's a big one, especially when dealing with the paranormal. Um, I think you, a lot of this stuff reflects what kind of energy you're giving it. So, uh, fear of this stuff is going to create scary, type events. Um, reality is not what we think it is. We don't know what it is. We don't know what life is. We don't know what death is. Um, we make a lot of assumptions and I think we need to be more open-minded and throw a lot of those assumptions out and look at this stuff for what it is, which is what I said earlier, where I don't like labeling it. Um, yeah. And I mean, try to empathize with other people. I mean, I know it's not always easy, but most people are not evil. And I see so much, you know, there's, there's such a tribalistic thing going on right now where if we just understand that it's okay for people to think differently than us and that every single person on this planet has different life experiences, knows different things, has seen different things. None of us are ever going to be exactly like the others, which is a wonderful, amazing thing. But it also yes, it causes is. an enormous amount of conflict. Because we were like, well, why don't you see it the way I do? Well, because you didn't have those experiences. You didn't have, you know, it's, it's what this life is about. So understand that other people may not understand things the same way and it's okay. It is okay. And those are wise words, my friend. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what projects do you have coming up, man? And where can uh, the Hidden Gateway uh, listeners find you? Do uh, you have any? Uh, I know you have a Facebook page. Website. Yeah, there's a Discord. There's a Facebook page. Everything can be found at WhereDidTheRoadGo.com. And uh, if you're into metal, you can check out my music show, which is TheLastExit.org, and there's shows up on Sweet. there. I'm working on two books. I'm working on one of my personal experiences, which I've been working on for a while now. And another one that'll probably come out first, which is trying to kind of like do what I was saying earlier, take the assumptions off this new ways of looking at different paranormal phenomena and things like that. So it'll it'll be a much shorter book. I don't know exactly how short yet, but it actually, you know, like I've, I've already written about all the stuff I was talking about earlier about Dr. Bem and sci research uh and building off of that. And if we take some of these assumptions away, we see that, I feel like this, the, the paranormal is kind of a web of different things going on that's all interconnected. And the one common factor is us. Like it needs us to manifest us. It's not necessarily something that's there 
until we interact with it. Well said. I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay. Well, there you have it, good people. Soraya Ascaf on the Hidden Gateway podcast. Soraya, thank you so much once again, my friend, for being with us. This was great, and uh, we appreciate well, you thank so you. much. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. All right. And to the listeners of the Hidden Gateway podcast, thank you for joining us. Be love, be safe, be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.